0: Hi, it's Alex, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Youth in Education podcast series, CFEY Live. In this series, we're exploring the most interesting aspects of research that we are carrying out at the Centre for Education and Youth, and providing you with insights from the practitioners and young people that we work with. Thanks for listening.
1: The Centre for Education and Youth believes society should ensure all children and young people receive the support they need to make a fulfilling transition to adults find us at cfey.org hi and welcome to this episode of the podcast in this episode i'm joined by tom hooper ceo and founder of third space learning susanna hardyman ceo of action tutoring sarah toft head of tutoring at white rose maths and my colleague baz at cfey we worked with third space learning action tutoring and white rose maths in our recent leveling up report In this episode, we discuss the NTP in light of its coming into its third year, what works well for the NTP, the changes our guests would like to see, and their hopes for its future. We also look at the levelling up tutoring report and its key findings, and our hopes for our upcoming tutoring summit, which will be on Tuesday the 22nd of November. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast today. Thank you all for joining me. It's quite an exciting one for me, actually. It's the first time I've got more than two people on the podcast today. So, really looking forward to this. To kick us off, I'm just going to go around and ask everyone to introduce themselves, just so our listeners have a sense of kind
2: of who everyone is and who they work for. So, Sarah, if I start with you. Hi, yeah, thank you. Um, My name's Sarah Toft, and I am head of tutoring at White Rose Maths. Thank you, Sarah.
1: Um Susanna, if you go next.
3: Hi everyone, I'm Susanna, and I'm the founder and chief executive of an educational charity called Action Tutoring. Thank you. And Tom, please. Hi
4: everyone. I'm my name's Tom Hooper and I'm the founder and chief exec of a business called Third Space Learning.
1: Thank you, Tom. And last but not least, Baz.
0: Hi Vanessa, I'm Baz. I'm a senior associate at the Centre for Education and Youth and the lead author on our recent report levelling up tutoring.
1: So today we're actually going to be talking about the government's flagship policy in light of COVID, the national tutoring program, and also our levelling up tutoring report. I'm going to ask everyone to cast their minds back to 2020, which somehow feels like a lifetime ago, but also yesterday. But yeah, I'd love everyone to kind of cast their minds back to when the national tutoring program first launched and share kind of what your initial thoughts were when it was... Announced and also when it first launched. So, Sarah, I'm going to go to you first
2: again. Yeah, no problem. So, it's very strange thinking back to um, 2020 when it was first announced because there was a lot of um, turbulence, I guess, at the time. But this provided an opportunity to be really excited about something and be really proud about being involved in such an exciting program that was launching. Um, It was so great to have something that was being put in place to to really support some disadvantaged children um, and really start to close the gap. And and I personally feel make a, a real sort of opportunity to make a difference to the pupils' life chances that we're able to tutor as well. So I was really excited about it. Susanna, how did you feel when it first came out? Similar
3: or maybe different? Very similar to Sarah, I think overwhelmingly excited. Um, At that time, Action Tutoring had been operating for eight years because we believed passionately in the potential of tutoring to make uh, a difference, particularly for disadvantaged pupils and those that were were struggling. And to see the sort of evidence for tutoring being recognised widely by the government and becoming sort of national policy felt like the most enormous opportunity, and and an opportunity not just for COVID recovery, but potentially for a programme that could uh, have the potential to make a really big difference long term to the attainment gap too. Tom, what were your first thoughts when it came out?
4: Similar to Action Tutoring and to White Rose Maths, we had been working with schools and particularly math teachers to help close the attainment gap for years preceding the National Tutoring Programme and, and preceding the pandemic as well. So we were we started in 2013. You know, when the national tutoring program came along, it was, it was a well, most important, it was great to see the government putting significant amounts of funding and putting it quickly behind trying to close the attainment gap that was widening as a result of the pandemic. And in particular, it was good to see them really pushing tutoring in schools as a means of closing that attainment gap. And all the research shows that it's one of the most valuable means of. Um, improving attainment um, it's something that's often been available to more advantaged pupils at home um, and it was great to see this as a strategy that was well funded within schools for, mostly for those children from disadvantaged backgrounds so um, a lot changed and accelerated something that we've been working on and believed in for for years preceding the ntp
1: it must have been an exciting time for you all as you say you all kind of already believed in the importance or already knew the importance of tutoring so i guess it was Quite exciting and confirming almost to see the government, you know, put in a lot of money and a lot of resources behind something that you already felt was extremely important, particularly for young people that are, you know, the most disadvantaged. Baz, coming from a research perspective, what would you say your initial thoughts were when the NTP was announced?
0: So I think much like colleagues on the call have said, approach this with you know a lot of uh, excitement. And as part of our leveling up tutoring report, we did quite a lot of field work, uh, interviewing people who were involved in the NTP at that sort of stage of inception. And excitement, ambition, a genuine, very like visceral passion for how transformative this could be as a central government program is something that runs across all of those people that we spoke to. Um, from a research perspective, the idea that tutoring Uh, is this uniquely powerful intervention that could play this really impactful role in improving the attainment of disadvantaged young people, in closing that attainment gap that exists between those disadvantaged young people and their more advantaged peers. That's been an idea that's been in circulation for a long time. It's something that, for example, the Sutton Trust have been pushing. It's something that colleagues on the call, such as Susanna and Tom and Sarah, have been pushing as well. So to see that kind of research-based understanding of interventions elevated to a central government program and to see how like evidence was really being baked into the NTP uh, at its early stages was also really um, galvanizing, exciting, and was great to see. Um, but as I'm sure colleagues will go on to discuss, um, things have not necessarily been smooth sailing since then.
1: So as you all know, the NTP is coming into its third year now of delivery, which again has gone really quickly, but really slowly at the same time. What would you say are the key differences between this year and the last two years?
2: So I guess with having to start this answer to the question, I think we can't really overlook the funding side of things. Um, obviously, a couple of years ago, we had higher subsidy rates and that supported um, that drive towards higher quality providers, etc. Now in the third year, we're obviously looking um, generally where schools have real pressures on the budget and how far their budget will go. And the funding is, is a massive, massive part of the impact, I think sometimes of tuition being brought into school. And the fact that the subsidy has decreased a little bit does take a lot of criticism. I do like the fact that schools do have to buy into the tuition and it's not completely subsidised because it really does get the schools on board to make sure that the logistics side of things is there. But I think that is definitely one of the biggest
3: changes um, as we're coming into its third delivery I think also it's not just about the decrease in the subsidy that we're seeing going into year three, but the other financial pressures that we know schools are under. So, in particular, the rising cost of energy bills, but also the unfunded teacher pay rise, which I think is putting a lot of squeezes on budgets and and whether they can factor tutoring in. On top of that, though, we know we've got the biggest attainment gap in a decade in the year six SATS results, which does suggest that an intervention like this is needed more than ever thinking a bit more broadly though about the structure of the NTP I think one of the the biggest differences that we're seeing this year that was also uh, there in year two but not in year one is the introduction of the schools-led tutoring route and that might be something for us to unpick a little bit further and I know it was a key point of Baz's report of how do we find this balance between giving schools autonomy and flexibility about how they're deploying the tutoring and making use of that resource while also wanting to make sure that it's structured and reached certain quality standards and the arrival of schools led tutoring as well as the tuition partners pillar that was there in year one um, has created a number of sort of different options for schools about how they go about actually implementing the tutoring for their pupils
4: so from from our perspective i think the the ambition and urgency of the ntp was and is to be lauded i think that the problem we've seen through year one two three um is a lack of consistency, and without that consistency it's very hard for schools or tutor partners to be able to deliver to the ambitions and need that the NTP caters to. Um, And we've seen that through different versions of um, reporting, school-led tutor partners, EEF, RANSTAD, um, and now we're in the position we're in now where schools have much more autonomy over how that funding is spent, but then are also looking at unfunded salary increases um, and a lot of uncertainty in around their budget. So it's, it's very difficult for all parties concerned to implement the NTP to the extent that it is needed given all these the change that's happening. Um, And I think that's been a consistent theme across the research and the feedback from schools and tutor partners who have have contributed to it. Um, And sadly, that consistency, if it's not one thing, it's the next Like now with school budgets, it's really hard for schools to plan. Um, You know, we saw that through June and July, and we're seeing it to a slightly lesser extent, but still, nonetheless, in September, where schools are looking at their budgets, they're looking at some uncertainty around how funding can be spent. And understandably, I'm not really willing to, to commit at this stage to to investing as per the headline requirements of the NTP. So I think that, and I don't know how that gets solved, but, but undoubtedly changing things every year or few months um, stands counter to the, the bigger ambitions that the NTP is aiming for.
0: Not much to add that colleagues haven't already covered, but I think one of the most noticeable changes is the change in delivery partner on the National Tutoring Programme. In year two, the primary delivery partner for the NTP was Randstad. This year it's going to be, and moving forward, it's going to be a combination of three delivery partners. You've got um, Tribal, who are going to be delivering the kind of tuition partner side of things. You've got Dev Trust who are going to be delivering the tutor training side of things, and you've got Cognition, who are going to be managing the recruitment of academic mentors. I think one thing that really comes through from what those delivery partners have been saying and from conversations that we've certainly had with them is that they're really keen to learn from some of those challenges in uh, year one and year two that we've been discussing, and they're really keen for moving forward there to be like this much greater sense of like porousness, of the NTP delivery partners to what's going on in schools, what are school leaders saying, what trust leaders saying, what are delivery t- tuition providers like on the NTP saying like needs to change. And building in that kind of tighter feedback cycle to learn how the NTP can be improved, not so it can be improved like in a year's time after an evaluation, but improved as it proceeds to make sure it's able to get that uptake, get that impact that we know it's capable of getting. And as people have said, it's even more urgent than ever that it needs to go.
1: The sense that I've got, kind of just listening to you all speak, and also from the research itself, is that, I mean, people on the one hand were very, very excited about the NTP, and it has been very successful in many ways, but it does seem to have faced a lot of challenges. So, some of the stuff that you guys, for example, have mentioned is lack of consistency, funding, which is a constant issue in the education sector. Do you all think it's still possible for the, N- for the NTP to be successful and embedded in the long term in the education system? And if so, what would you say is needed to achieve that?
2: Yeah, great question. And I think, to be honest with you personally, yes, um, the passion, the drive is all still there for this unique opportunity. And we're all trying really, really hard to strive towards supporting the pupils that we're working with. And I think it kind of comes down to maybe... Three Cs is what's needed. Um, Collaboration, consistency and clear communication with schools, with tuition partners. We've been in the last few years through things like COVID lockdowns, bubbles bursting, various tiered systems. We've had quite a lot thrown at us in the last couple of years and tutoring has happened and progress has been made regardless. Now we're in a much better position in terms of where we are in the world in relation to COVID, um, I honestly think now is the time that we really need to to put that collaboration, consistency and communication that's clear out there for the schools to support pupils.
1: Susanna, what were your thoughts on this question?
3: I love those three Cs, but I'm going to throw in a, another phrase that, that maybe we could coin on this one, which is that I think we need a golden year of the NTP mm. for it to really embed... We've referenced already uh, just how many changes there have been to, to the structure of it and the, the challenging environment that schools are in. And we could really do with a year of stability, with with minimal changes where schools actually have the headspace and the funding to be able to focus on it, to really hopefully demonstrate that the NTP can work and can be hugely impactful for pupils. And alongside that, we need to be building the evidence base of the different kinds of tutoring going on, the different models, what's working and what's not, so that that it can be refined and improved for for the future. So I absolutely believe that it can succeed Seed, um, but it would be really great if we could have a golden year of stability and funding to really be able to prove that without so many of the challenges that we've seen over the last couple of years.
4: To build on on the comments from, from Sarah and Susanna, I agree. Um, it would be lovely to have a golden year. Um, my fear is that that won't be this year. Um, and so next year's our kind of final shot within this four year programme. And as much as there are challenges and lessons that's right to point out, that a lot of good has happened as well. It, it, and that's both in intent, but also in outcome. My hope is that, and I, I believe there is a very healthy balance to be found in, in what has worked and what hasn't worked through these first two two years and into the third year. My hope is that the negatives don't stop both government and schools enacting an equally ambitious program post 2024. Um, the government's laid out some quite quite ambitious plans within their white paper. They've identified tutoring as a central strategy to that. But if that's going to happen, they've got to take the good from what has from what's been within the NTP and implement that. And I think that's trying to figure out how you give schools both autonomy, but also have accountability around how that money is spent on tutoring both in terms of quality and in ensuring that it is additional to what those pupils are doing in class, that how they have accountability in terms of pupil premium spend to ensure that this is really about closing the attainment gap and how it is, accountability is not the right word, but how there is consistency so that we can have it not just a golden year, but a, a kind of a golden phase where year in, year out, this is being delivered effectively People are planning, people are getting better at this every single year. And as such, when we look back, the sum total is a measurable closing of the attainment gap. And based on recent results where the attainment gap widened, the, the result, you know, I don't think we're going to be looking at the end of this in 2024 with a narrowing of the attainment gap, which is why commitment beyond that is so, so important.
1: As thinking about the research and particularly the leveling up report that we just published not too long ago what does the report say should be different about this year's and and the ways that it could be improved particularly thinking about how it can work long term and ensure that it's embedded
0: the leveling up Room report the way that we've kind of laid it out is that we structure our recommendations into these like three successive phases uh, that we dub an improve phase followed by an embed phase, very pertinent to what we were just discussing, and then a transform phase. And that improve phase is really focused on the changes that we think really need to happen quite pressingly this year. Um, But it's interesting thinking about what Susanna and Tom were just saying, because we've been saying internally, actually, that maybe a term for that improve phase, a better term for it could be a repair phase, because in some respects, it's kind of about getting the NCP back onto track in terms of where the vision originally was directing it and trying to restore a lot of what we think really worked in the NTP in its first year in particular and what it strayed from in some respects in its second year. So thinking about that improved slash repair phase, we think it's really vital that the NTP needs to restore and maintain its targets for the proportion of pupils on people premium that are accessing the NTP. And that's all about getting the NTP back to keeping its focus very tightly on improving the outcomes of disadvantaged people. So There's always been this kind of risk that the NTP is gonna be like largely uh, accessed and exploited by people's uh, schools and pupils who uh, probably don't need it as much as those who are particularly disadvantaged. And in terms of thinking about how you have that accountability that Tom was talking about, we're really pushing for there to be a much simpler system for that accountability that was used in the, the second year of the NTP. And what we know from our field work is that the complexity of the reporting and accountability of that um, reporting system was like a real barrier to uptake for the NTP and also a real barrier to its impact in schools in terms of the amount of resource it was taking up. We also noted in our research that lots of NTP guidance to schools has frequently tried to steer them away from using remote tutoring of the sort that um, Tom's Third Space Learning offers and that seems really imprudent to us it seems really impractical given that there's like pretty good like emerging evidence that remote tutoring can be just as effective as in person tutoring when it's properly implemented and the problem with that guidance against remote tutoring is that it's often discouraging schools that are in what we call these cold spot areas which are areas where there's not been huge uptake of the NTP frequently because they don't have like access to an abundant local supply of uh, tutors who can come in person to work with um, pupils in school—it's preventing those schools from accessing what could be a really impactful resource for them in the form of remote tutoring. So we think that that's actually like quite easy to pivot away from, and indeed, I think that's something we've already started to see in the third year of the NTP as well. But we really recommend that that guidance against remote tutoring really needs to be revised. And I think just on the research side of things, which naturally us at the CFPY are really interested in, it's you know the NTP is a pretty unique global experiment, right, in terms of how it's delivering in-school tutoring at this kind of scale. And it's really vital that we're capturing all the evidence on impact and what works, both from that kind of pedagogical, like, what works from like an instructional perspective within tutoring sessions but also from like an operational perspective in terms of like you know how do you build good partnerships between schools and like tutoring providers like what are the best ways of managing like the logistics and like the personal management within schools like all of that kind of like operational stuff that can be frequently be lost and a lot of that evidence is already being gathered right but it's being hap- it's happening in like a lot of these kind of individual silos so you've got it like being captured by like the EEF or the NFER or behavioral insights team and they're all working to gather this data they are Working to do this research with different research protocols and data sharing procedures, and all of that kind of stimmies our ability to like bring all of those isolated bits of evidence together to offer a uh you know, a coherent picture of the NTP, and it also makes it difficult to get those key insights in real time so that the growth and development of the NTP can be adapted in real time rather than it all co- it only being possible to do that, like, in a year or two's time when we've got this kind of retrospective kind of evaluation. So thinking about how we can tighten and, like, harmonize that evaluation and research process. But fundamentally, like, undergirding all of this is um, the question of funding right like as we've been saying and we're really keen like that, at the very least the DfE the government should commit to another year of funding for the the NTP at present funding for the NTP is set to stop in 2024 and from our research we just think that that's too soon for the NTP to achieve its intended impact on getting schools hooked, as they say, on tutoring as an intervention, but also shifting the tutoring market so that there's a healthy supply of high-quality tutors to meet that need and meet demand in all the areas that need it. And our sense from like our research is that a further year of funding would get us closer to that goal, while also stimulating more interest from schools in trying the program and Extending it for that year, that's also about communicating, that that's sending a signal to school leaders that, look, this is going to be a long-term fixture in the English education system. This is here for the long term. This is not just another fairly ephemeral government program that's going to be scrapped as soon as political priorities change. This is a long-term structural change to how we support young people to improve their academic outcomes. So extending funding is also part of that as well. So those are some of the key things that we think need to change this year it's validating to see some of that stuff already happening. But I think as with other colleagues on the call, I think we certainly think that there's more to be done.
1: I'm actually going to stick on this point about, or keep thinking about the research. I'd love to hear from you, um, Sarah, Tom and Susanna, thinking about the research. Was there anything that surprised you or particularly stood out to you about the research and its findings? Sarah, if I go to you first.
2: Of course I jotted down a couple of things and Baz has already mentioned one of them being the remote tutoring guidance. We offer both face-to-face and online tuition and obviously Baz has gone into a little bit more around the effectiveness there and we have seen great impact so I'm not going to spend too long I guess on that one. I'll focus a little bit more on the, the sort of finding in the report around the quality of tuition being highly variable. I know that it can be something that schools look for. Um, how do they know that they're buying in the best tuition um, for the pupils that they've got? It can be similar to teachers, can't it? You can have variable performance within the classroom. But maybe there might be some kind of, of scope for developing some kind of system to sort of support teachers in doing that and to really sort of signpost and flag teachers to those quality tuition providers, maybe like a a kite mark system that assures the schools on the quality that they're paying for was just something um, that sort of came to mind when I, I read that section of the report in particular.
3: I think for me, one of the things that was actually a pleasant surprise was to see quite how high the response rate was around positive perceptions of the NTP. I think given some of the negative press around it um, over the particularly this last year, I wondered if it wouldn't quite come out quite so strongly on that. But I think what this uh, data really showed me was that the the belief is there in the ambition and the evidence base for tutoring and the sort of concept of the NTP is broadly seen as a very positive thing by education leaders and then the bit that didn't surprise me was that that people felt that the implementation is the issue and that there needs to be a redesign of of how it's working but I think the fact that despite the challenges there was still so much positive perception out there is is hugely encouraging and certainly gives me faith that that it can be reformed and it can be a huge success into the future if changes can be made. In
4: a position, again, where I'm broadly agreeing with everything Sarah and Susanna have said, I think for those of us who have been very closely involved in, in the NTP, I think it's sometimes hard to step back and look, a, you know, put aside the bits of it that have been challenging. And as Susanna says, realize that actually, broadly, you know, perception is more positive than we sometimes think it is, which is good news. So I think and hope that that will provide a surer foundation than sometimes we think to build on for the future. Um, I've, I certainly hope it does. I think the report also pointed out that the tutoring was very popular politically. Which is which is an important thing to consider when we're you know we or others are speaking to the DFE and the DFE is making their case to the Treasury in terms of potential future funding of tuition. So there is a lot to to hope for from the report. Um, I think as as Sarah said about remote tutoring, I think one of the challenges that and this again was identified in the report and certainly we saw it was that. The NTP was initiated based on research about what worked and that tutoring worked. And that's very important, but there is a difference between what research says and what the operational reality of scaling a program like this is across thousands of schools and hundreds of thousands of students. And I think that that mismatch between research and operational reality explains some of the challenges that we've seen and that we've commented on and the research touched on over the last couple of years. So I hope that given the favorability that Susanna talks about, given that the research still remains strong, any future iterations of the NTP or, or comparable programs beyond the NTP will be based on the operational lessons that, that we've been talking about both, both on this podcast and before it and that the research identifies. And I think that that blend of the, you know, lessons learned could stand us in very good stead for the future.
1: So the schools' white paper from this year states that Turing will become part of the furniture of school life. And in particular, students that fall behind in English or maths will be given access to a tutor to catch them up. Sarah, what more do you think needs to be done and also by who to realise the government's hope for the future of Turing, particularly this idea that it's going to become part of the, the furniture of school life?
2: Yeah, I really loved this question and I actually asked a couple of the other trust leaders that I work with for their thoughts around this as well. Um, So I do have a few points. The first one um, came out in many of the conversations I had. Um, It was about investment into the tutoring in the early stages by government and making sure that teachers and school leaders really do understand the value of it and that the government show that through the investment that they provide. We thought that that was a really, really important point there. And and that might be through considering the subsidy again. It might be through, I've had a call with Tom today about discussing possibility around the use of some kind of voucher scheme or something like that, you know, trying to think about creative opportunities to really make sure that we are able to target those pupils that would really, really benefit from tuition. But there might be sort of other potentials as well. So perhaps looking at how we can use the current teaching assistant workforce that we've got in schools. So by really investing in the people that we already have, and we know obviously that um, schools are experiencing budgetary pressures, and sometimes it might be hard for them to see how buying the tuition in might support them. If we can look at how we can support teaching assistant staff within the school to provide that might also help a little bit. So so really thinking about how it will impact not only on tutoring that they might provide, um, maybe in that school-led basis, but also how real good training can impact back in the classrooms when teaching assistants are back there as well. So there's that harmony between the two and then tuition sort of fits into that really, really nicely in that harmony. We at White Rose Maths are in particular really trying to support schools with this and we've worked with many schools on supporting their teaching assistants to be trained tutors to develop an intervention program and we use our tutoring workforce to support that as well and it's really nice seeing it work hand in hand so there might be lots of opportunity there going forward and then to think what else might be done to realise hopes for the future. We would really love to see a little bit more research into the impact of tutoring. I mean, we've heard Baz talking a lot and and obviously other colleagues, Susanna and Tom, about the research that we've got. But it would be really nice to, to sort of see more research based on the impact of tutoring, possibly supported by companies such as the Education Endowment Foundation, but really see what the impact is like on the ground, because I think that will make school leaders sit up and take a lot more notice as well.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, as a researcher, I definitely agree that there's always a need for more research. But I think, you know, there's something about having a strong evidence base that people are able to rely on to really see the impact of tutoring, I think will definitely have a huge impact on people's faith in its ability to, you know, bridge the gap between the most disadvantaged and the least disadvantaged pupils and start to to really close that gap. Tom and Susanna, you both have quite different models of giving schools access to tutors. Can you tell us how these different models meet the needs of your schools, particularly how much, given how much variation there is within schools and the needs of students themselves?
3: Sure. So I think one angle is about making different offers to schools. But I think one of the things mine and Tom's models of tutoring both give is different ways of accessing people who might be interested in tutoring so tom recruits tutors from abroad and pays them and action tutoring has a model of using high quality volunteer tutors and we tap into professionals those working in corporates retired volunteers that would have no interest particularly in being paid for doing tutoring but really believe in the mission of what we're we're trying to achieve and want to contribute in different ways and I think we've sort of seen over the last few years that there are only so many sort of university students and recent graduates interested in tutoring that are perhaps the sort of traditional pool of people that we might think of for, for tutors. And therefore thinking creatively about what are the different models that can tap into different expertise and different uh, skill sets and people that might be interested in tutoring is really important if we're going to build up enough sort of supply of tutors to meet the demand about, out there. But having worked with schools for over a decade, I think there are different things that that schools are looking for. And one of the things that Action Tutoring that we provide is a lot of coordination and logistical support around the programme. So it's not just about leaving tutors at the school door and leaving them to get on with it. But we're actually we have a, a coordinator in the classroom that's making sure all the tutoring pairings are working smoothly and we can take that burden off schools in terms of some of the organising, making sure pupils are turning up and so on, and actually sort of offer to do that for them as part of the package, which for many busy school leaders, that's a sort of real plus that they like about working with us. And it also means we're looking at the quality assurance of what's going on and, and monitoring that.
4: I suppose that there's two parts to access that that third-based learning has been built upon. The first is transforming the supply side of the tutor equation. So as Susanna said, we recruit all our tutors from abroad, so specifically India and Sri Lanka, where there's a huge population of English-speaking graduates and undergraduates who who are skewed towards STEM subjects. So we can recruit, uh, invest heavily in training and development and pay well in India and Sri Lanka, and we can transform the supply and cost of specialist maths tutors for schools in England which has allowed us to be the largest provider of maths tuition to schools in England, with the majority of our pupils being eligible for pupil premium. That's both through the National Tutoring Programme and preceding it. So to actually close the attainment gaps it might sound like an obvious statement to make, but it's worth saying you have to be able to deliver tuition at scale and in a format that, that is affordable and schools can access. Um, which leads to the second part, which, again, Susanna mentioned, which is genuinely understanding how schools implement tuition in the classroom. Um, Schools, it's a very hard environment to work in. Really challenging, you know, teachers are in the classroom most of the day. It is not a normal business environment. So understanding how to integrate technology, communications, services, all the rest of it in a way that teachers can deploy easily in addition to the group learning that takes up the vast majority of their time and energy is a, a complex scenario. So to you know, come back to that point of, you know, if a goal is to try and help close the attainment gap, there needs to be a scale and an understanding that enables you to do that. And I think, you know, if I link it back to the NTP, one of the challenges the NTP has faced is there's been a gap between the, the kind of origins of its design and the operational reality of its ambition. And I think the, the, the structures of companies like Thursday-based learning and action tutoring as well have been focused on trying to fill that gap by bringing new supply and thus opening access to tuition for, for exactly these sorts of students.
1: Um, so thinking about the research, what do you all think are some of the unanswered questions about tutoring and how do you think CFEY in particular can plug these gaps in the future?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Obviously, we have the goal of closing the attainment gap um, and this obviously links sort of directly to the subject or the topic that needs to be covered and, and the tutoring based upon. But I do honestly think that there are other factors that can link to that rise in attainment too. So looking at the impact on pupils beyond the subject would be interesting to me. So beyond the subject that's being tutored, So, for example, it might be impact on confidence or the impact on attendance or behaviour, anything linked to safeguarding that might actually have a knock-on effect. I know that a lot of our tutors really do develop such a strong rapport with the children that they work with and the children that they work with leave happier, healthier and more effective learners, not just in the subject that's being tutored, but in a more holistic
3: way as well. So it would be lovely to see some further work on that. Sarah's made some great points there about additional things that can be measured, but I think there's also an opportunity to understand a lot more of the nuance of what works with different tutoring models. We've got schools-led tutoring, we've got tuition partners, and then within tuition partners there's currently 54 organisations all offering slightly different models and ways of doing tutoring as Tom and I discussed earlier. And I think that whilst there's a great body of evidence out there about the impact that tutoring can have, we need to understand a lot more about what are the actual ingredients that go into making it impactful. So do we really understand the difference in impact between online face-to-face what difference does it make if the group size is one to six versus one to one and a change in group size was one of the big things that was introduced in year two from group sizes of one to three to suddenly allowing one to six we don't really know what the impact of that is I think there are also questions we could explore around is tutoring more effective at different times of the school day what is it that really works to engage pupils and ensure that they attend so I think whilst we've got so much tutoring going on so many different organizations and models, it would be great to really dig into some of these um, specific questions to really understand which models are really working, where's the best practice, and how could that be shared more widely.
4: I'd just add to Susanna's point, and one thing I'd commend the CFEY research for, was that it focused on a wider group of stakeholders who actually understood and were responsible for the implementation that would ultimately lead to the impact that we and the NTP is focused on. So talking to tutor partners, talking to head teachers, talking to mat leaders, talking to people in the DFE, bringing together a wide group of people who between them have the sum total of responsibility and experience that would be needed to make such a things the NTP happen at scale. It, it wasn't clear that that had happened before. It seemed to be quite clear that there was a lot, There was too much of a focus on what I might call theoretical research. So things that showed what what impact might be within the more kind of sanitized environment of a research study, but is quite different to the messy operational reality of applying that at sort of 100x the scale. And I think that the CFEY research did a good job of starting to pull those insights together. But it's that more holistic research that I think is needed. If something like the NTP is to be a success and if it is to reach its goals of of closing the attainment gap, which requires scale.
0: Yeah, really agree with everything that colleagues have said on the call about seeing the scale of the NTP as an opportunity to capture all these kind of corners of pockets of like really, really useful operational, but also pedagogical insight into how to make in-school tutoring as effective as possible. I think something we're increasingly more and more interested in at the Centre for Education and Youth is the... One of the things that the NTP has brought more sharply into focus is just the value of one-to-one as a model of intervention within schools. So starting to think about like what are the implications for what we're learning from the NTP for expanding uh, entitlement and access to one-to-one support within schools, whether that's in the form of tutoring or whether that's in the form of mental health support, mentoring. There's all sorts of dimensions along which one-to-one support can develop. So leveraging the scale of the NTP to build that kind of repository of knowledge about how to make one-to-one something that's generally scalable across the rest of the education sector, because that's something that we're sensing is going to have a lot of promise. And we're also sensing that's, something that's going to be really vital to plugging a lot of the kind of gaps that have emerged over COVID that aren't necessarily to do with attainment, they're to do with social and emotional learning, they're to do with mental health and those kinds of things. So using that learning to think about one-to-one more broadly.
1: Thank you. all. that's really interesting. It's, it's always good to kind of think what next when it comes to research. Um, I mean, the good thing about education is there's always more to know. I understand you're organising or in the process of organising the first National Tutoring Summit in November. Would you be able to tell our listeners what attendees can expect from the event and also what you all hope to personally gain from it? Susanna,
3: I might go to you first. I think it's going to be a great opportunity to bring together all sorts of people interested and passionate about tutoring and wanting to see it be a real success in the system. It will be a chance to share examples of best practice, to dream big about what the future for tutoring could look like and to connect with others in the sector working to make a success of it.
2: I think just to follow on from what Suzanne is saying there, it's going to be such a collaborative environment. I'm really excited about the event. The actual day itself is going to be brilliant, full of keynote speakers, panellists, some real practical workshops, but it's, for me, I can't wait to get networking with some colleagues as well, learn about effective tutoring practices from different organisations. It's going to be a real powerful event.
4: I'd agree with that. Uh, you know, I think it's similar to my point on CFUY's research that preceded the summit, bringing people together who between them have decades of experience in running schools, implementing teaching strategies, building tutor organisations, by getting those conversations going against the context of where we are both in NTP year three, but also in the kind of the budgetary environment and pressure schools are facing, I think it will provide some really valuable insights as to how we make this succeed over the next decade. Um, and those sorts of conversations and discussions are absolutely essential to to achieving that success. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
0: So the National Tutoring Summit is actually something that was recommended by our Leveling Up Tutoring report in the sense that one of our key findings was that one of the best ways of improving the quality of in-school tutoring is to identify where there's already great practice and there's absolutely loads of it and circulate that around the educational system, diffuse that around the educational system. And frequently that works best when it's delivered in this kind of like peer-to-peer way where people are able to share what's working for them as an equal, as an individual with another school to help them understand how changes to their practice could work for them as well. So the fact that this is something that's like flowed quite organically, like from the report is really great and really exciting in terms of us as CFEY delivering on our mission to be not just a think tank, but a think an action tank. But also it's a great opportunity to be working again with our partners on the Leveling Up Tutoring Report, working with White Rose Maths, working with Action Tutoring and Third Space Learning. And given the success of our previous collaboration, it's great to be working with them again. So really, really excited for it. It's gonna be on November 22nd, and details for that should be uh, becoming visible on social media very soon. And I imagine we'll also add them into the description for this podcast as well, Vanessa.
1: Yes, I will be adding the details to the description box below. It's a really exciting opportunity for everyone In the meantime, I'm going to wrap the podcast up there. Thank you so much to our guests for joining us today. And thank you everyone for listening. And we look forward to seeing some of you on November 22nd. Thank you so much. Goodbye.
0: We love making this podcast. If you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it, then there are a few things that you can do. One, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button in iTunes or wherever you're listening. Two, Share. Share this episode with someone you know who will find it interesting. Three. Review. Write a review or leave a comment. Also, feel free to contact us via the links in the show notes. Thanks a lot.